Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and welcome to 2021. The five welcomes me, and I have five guests today. 2021, this is the first episode of the new year by the Kinetic Enterprise presented by Deloitte. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and we know that this is a year, sure, to be full of surprises. We're going to talk about what some of those could look like and how your business your businesses, depending on how many you have, can stand ready for the next wave of disruption, and we know there are going to be some. I'm going to start the show off with four movie quotes about the future. I think you'll all find them familiar or amusing or provocative. So let's go, and then I'll tell you who our special guests are today. First, a quote, one of my favorites from the movie Back to the Future 1985 sci-fi film, and Doc Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, says to Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Then we have a quote from Gusto, played by Brad Garrett in Ratatouille, a 2007 computer animated comedy film. If you focus on what you left behind, you will never see what lies ahead. Now we have a quote from Klaatu, played by Keanu Reeves, in The Day the Earth Stood Still, a 2008 sci-fi drama. Your problem is not technology. The problem is you. You lack the will to change. There we go. Quote number four is from Agent Smith in The Matrix, 1999. Why why do all the great future quotes come from sci-fi films? I don't know. Never send a human to do a machine's job. There we go. Those are my four quotes. Now we have five Deloitte leaders, specialists today. They're going to share their, I have a big word, prognostications, looking across industries, business functions and technologies to discuss the big trends taking shape already for 2021. We're going to talk everything from HR to finance to supply chain to next generation customer experience from the digital core to the industry cloud to machine intelligence. That's why I had the machine quote in there. So we're going to be speaking today with Vincent Cruza. I'll have them introduce themselves in their current titles in a moment. Paul Kana, Oren Gashuri. Isaac Bowman, Victor Panoff, and I have to do a shout out also to Carla Neal, Helen Tomas, and Igosa Obakpalor, who are managers, sponsors, series, promoters, evangelists, advocates for the show. We're happy to have and wish all of you a very happy new year. So we're also going to talk today about insights on activating the built to evolve kinetic enterprise, which as you know by now, is capable of responding at the pace of disruption and thriving no matter what the future throws at it, just like this Radio show. Where do we go from here? Predictions for the year ahead. Looking forward. So let's go around the table and get some introductions. I'll put you on speaker view. Vincent Cruz, welcome back. Happy New Year. In case there's one person in the world who doesn't remember who you are, on them. Vincent, refresh their memory. What are you up to? Go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, so so just introduce myself, Vincent Cruz. I'm an innovation leader at Deloitte, um, working out of the UK practice within our enterprise technology and performance team. And um, I regularly get involved in co-innovation projects with some of our global partners, um, innovation in the sustainability space, product development, and more recently, some moonshot thinking around the topic of purpose. <clears throat> and that's really what's been keeping me busy at times, yeah. I want you to tell me a little more. What is moonshot thinking? That's a new term for me. Is that the new buzz for 2021? 
now I wouldn't really say it's a buzz. I think it's. Um, I think there are a few tech firms that use it. Google has has used it. I think um, Elon Musk's range of companies uh, make use of moonshot thinking as well. But it really is taking a look at a very um, taking a look at an opportunity from a broad perspective and shooting and really shooting for the moon. Not not restricting yourself to um, what what is around you at that point in time. I like that. I think we need a new radio series called Moonshot Thinking with Game Changers. I like that a lot. Or Moonshot Thinkers are Game Changers. There we go. Paul Connor, welcome. Nice to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're well. Paul, why don't you refresh the audience's memory on what you've been up to? Go ahead, Paul. Hey, Bonnie, and Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I think we can technically still say that probably past uh, at least until Chinese New Year's, I think, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, yes, um, I have two main responsibilities at Deloitte that floats my boat. Um, you know, the first one is you know, I lead our global SAP sales office. And as you can imagine, this, this really entails bringing our best experiences and our perspective to our teams and to our clients. So, as you can imagine, there's lots of information out there, lots of complexity. And my job is to really help simplify the messaging to our clients and to our teams that serve them. Uh, so imagine pulling together a global organization like Deloitte, engaging with our clients and consultants from all over the world uh, to tell our best stories and help our clients with their decisions on technology. Um, so, uh, so that's one. The other, the other job I have uh, is I lead our global asset, assets and innovations. Super exciting, very cool, given the number of really creative types we hire at Deloitte. So there's no shortage of great ideas to develop into innovations and repeatable assets, if you will. Uh, so I speak to all our teams all over the world, uh, solicit best ideas and help them develop them into innovative solutions we can bring to our clients. And, and you know, as Vincent said earlier, you know, this also keeps me up at night in a very good way. Uh, we have a lot of young people just eager to get their ideas out there. And, and we have a lot of clients that have really complex uh, requirements. And, you know, my job is to really figure out how to bring both of those, you know, that creative uh, ingenious uh, ideas to clients who are just looking to uh, do something different. So that's me. Thank you very much. Very interesting. We started out with moonshot thinking from Vincent, and now we've got float your boat with Paul Karana. I wonder if this is going to be a travel show. Let's find <laughs> out. <laughs> no, no pressure, Orin Kasheri. Orin, Happy New Year and welcome. I can't wait to see what kind of conveyance you're going to talk about but no pressure. Go ahead, Oren, please introduce uh, yourself. <laughs> Oren Gashuri, it's fantastic to be here again. Really appreciate uh, the, the the second opportunity. Yeah, speaking about travel, uh, I think Isaac and I are both going to have some poop on the on the, the travel industry in general, but there's a lot of things going on right now. Uh, I work at, in the finance market offering uh, at uh, SAP. I'm uh, a specialist master working to help clients transform their environments around them to, to kind of engage that uh, kinetic energy or kinetic enterprise uh, mindset and uh, bring some innovative ideas to help them embrace the future or at least embrace the present at the very least. Right. Uh, so we're going to be talking a, a lot about uh, some things in the travel industry and I have a lot of other types of uh, predictions as well. So. Travel industry, any, what's your favorite mode of travel? Forget about being in the COVID era. What's your favorite conveyance, Oren? There's nothing uh, as so pleasing and with a little twist of romance as a, a beautiful train ride. Uh, mm. Going from uh, one of my uh, best memories is traveling from Venice to Rome on the, the, the train and just sitting back and watching the countryside go by me as I enjoy the, the delights of, uh, of the carriage service. Uh, the U.S., 
is missing out on that experience. This is really sort of a, a Eurocentric, for the most part, a Eurocentric experience. Uh, the, the, the American train experience doesn't quite meet that standard, I have to say. Uh, not yet. Let's see not what yet. the future is. That is true. Yet. That's true. I'm, I'm I'm hopeful we might need. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see about distancing and all that. That would be interesting. What are we going to say, Oren? I was just going to say, and let's see if the Hyperloop ever happens, because that might change things. There you go. So we've got Moonshot. We've got Floating the Boat. We've got Train Rides. Isaac Bowman, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Welcome, Isaac. Happy New Thank Year. Thank you. All, <laughs> Please, it's always a ple- It's always a pleasure to talk on your, on your show. Thank so, you. uh, so I'm Isaac Bowman. Uh, I'm a leader in Deloitte's uh, travel and expense practice. And a lot of what I do is based around SAP Concur. Uh, which is an online tool for, for that particular space. Uh, primarily what I do is help companies kind of modernize or transform that experience of travel and expense globally. Uh, and as mentioned by some of the other colleagues, that can be a very complicated thing for a lot of customers. Uh, if you think about what it looks like for your one individual trip, imagine if you multiply that across the tens of thousands of trips from, from uh, various people across the company. And, you know, in my world, you know, one of the things I remind folks is that travel is basically the travel program or department is like the logistics of people. So, Mm. you know, when you're moving around people, that's a company's most precious commodity. uh, And it's no easy thing to do. And uh, certainly lessons from last year. uh, This has been a very traumatic period of time for all kinds of people, right? Uh, Moving people has even been more delicate than ever before. Uh, more, uh, you know, more cautious, more careful. And uh, companies are looking to see how do we do that more efficiently in the future for 2021? How do we do that safer with higher levels of standard, higher levels of care? Uh, and uh, are we doing it in the most efficient way possible? So, you know, those are uh, amazing conversations to have with people mm-hmm. and uh, really excited to kind of talk to you in the panel today about what is going to be the future of probably one of the industries that's been impacted the most by this, uh, you know, this unprecedented time. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting, Isaac. I'm looking at your Zoom background. I'm assuming you're not out in the desert somewhere. <laughs> and I'm wondering if your favorite, con- or the mountains, your favorite conveyance could be horseback. I don't know. You want to, we're, we're looking for a travel quickie here. What do you think, Isaac? Where, okay. where would you be? <laughs> well, these, these, these are mountains in Texas, but they're only about 2000 feet tall. So if you get the camera angle really low to the ground, uh, it's a reminder that there are mountains in Texas. It's just, uh, you know, it's about, it's about getting the right location. So horseback would be a, a few feet too high for the camera. Oh. <laughs> Or you wanted to say something. I was going to say our mountains in California are better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no pressure here. <laughs> on, on that note, well, we've added, yes, cars and boats and trains and planes and mis- missile shots, and we have horseback now. Sorry about that, Isaac. Victor no Pana, Victor, welcome. Please unmute yourself, and let's hear from you. Go ahead, Victor. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for having me again. It's a, it's a great show. I always enjoy it. And it's great to be surrounded by so many amazing leaders from Deloitte and one in the same place talking about the future. It's just it's absolutely fantastic. Well, in that note, um, the, the one thing I can bring in terms of that whole uh, travel experience and bringing something to the to the table in that respect is, is that the fact that we all got collectively displaced from shopping online, from offices that are now at home, from having a yoga class, and even the entire fitness situation just being done from home. That's that's the that's the shift that we are seeing right now, and then it's no longer 
um, just being packed in one specific place. Now you can be in Paris, you could be in Manila, you could be among uh you know the countryside where Isaac clearly is, um, or you could be uh, you could be somewhere uh, on the on the travel road, and that's exactly where where the future is going to take you. And for what we see right now in the uh, in the in the industry out there is that a lot of companies are rethinking the entire strategy of how they're going to have the entire workforce sitting somewhere. And that's actually my uh, area of expertise. It's about contingent workforce management. It's about helping organizations figure out those big questions of the now of the post COVID nineteen pandemic world and where. Would anybody be sitting? Where would the workforce be situated? And what happens after the overnight displacement that we all uh, experience? What happens with school lessons, uh, doctor's appointments, weddings? Uh, what happens with people all around and, and the way to gather together and to experience something on a global scale, but actually from somewhere remote? So if I had to pick up a place or, or a situational kind of uh, uh, situation, That'd be uh, that'd be the remote. You don't know where I am. Type of situation. I have. You see my background as these uh, uh, this grassy situation. I could be anywhere right now. You wouldn't know. For as long as it's quiet around me, I have good internet connection. That's pretty much what uh, the future is going to hold. Anybody could be anywhere. So virtual travel, virtual zooming and beaming, and wherever we are, beam me up. Scotty takes on new meaning, doesn't it? I just thought about that. Well, thank you for the introductions, everyone. To our our listeners, we're going to do something unusual here today. I'm just going to go around the table. I don't have notes from any of my guests, and I'm going to ask these Deloitte leaders for one prediction each. Ask them to state the prediction, then build it out for about two minutes, and we'll go around the table and see how far that takes us. No, this isn't a travel theme, but I think that's where we're adding. So, Victor, Vincent Crusa, it took you a long time to train me how to say your last name right. You used to give me the option. <laughs> Vincent Crusa, you're up first. I'm going to put you on speaker view. And Vincent, we are ready for your first prediction. Please go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. So, for me, you know, <clears throat> it's something that Isaac's touched on, Oren, Oren alluded to it a bit as well. Victor also mentioned it. And, and I think that there's going to be a renewed focus on people. And you know, as we as we begin to emerge from the current ways of working, people, relationships, partnerships, and empathy will be more important than ever to allow people to feel reconnected and valued. And I think it's so important. I've been catching up with a number of colleagues, both in both both within our organisation and in partner organisations, and there is just such a high level of people feeling disconnected or undervalued and even even some people be you know you know falling into depression and they just people cannot handle the current way of working and they're longing for that that personal interaction that, and that opportunity to reconnect you know um Oren described an experience of a train ride through europe and um living in europe i can um you know, I've had similar train rides, obviously not the one from my house into London, but um, similar train rides through the Swiss Alps and that, which, which really are beautiful. And you cannot experience that from, from your sofa. You have to actually live it. And I think that renewed focus on people and getting, getting reconnected is going to be something which, um, which a lot of people are longing to move back to. Thank you very much. So reconnection, that's a good way to go. Let's go to prediction number one from Paul, you're, whether you know it or not, you are virtually sitting next to Vincent. Paul Connick, mm. go ahead. What's your first prediction? 
Um, you know, I, um, I, I had an epiphany uh, about this a while ago, uh, but my prediction is around uh, consumer-grade technology will be used to really integrate commercial-grade problems. And I came up with that statement uh, thinking through my own uh, travel experiences and just a really quick story. And I'm sure all of you guys have seen these things, right? When you go to an airport or a train station, you know, those, those flipboards that, that tell you, you know, where to go, you know, when to be there. And, you know, how many of us have looked at that, that flipboard and said, Oh my God. And we ran, we uh, broke into a mad sprint. Um, so I heard that those flipboards uh, no longer are, are analog. They're all moving to digital. Uh, and I think the last uh, analog flipboard, uh, was retired, I, I believe, in uh, Venice, I believe, uh, at that airport. Uh, so all the flipboard now, you know that little clackety-clack sound? Uh, there are now digital sounds. And uh, I had an opportunity to invest in uh, a company that makes an analog flipboard. Mm. So very cool. I got it. Uh, and I set it up. And, and you know, it, it, it works ex- as exactly as you expect. It flips uh, a message on the screen, and it's, it has a beautiful mechanical sound, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, and then I'm like, okay, now what do I do with it? Um, and this is where I talk a little about consumer grade technology being used to integrate commercial grade problems. So if you think about my, my analog flipboard, you can talk about this from a, a legacy perspective, clients who have these very archaic uh, systems in their basements, et cetera. Um, but now you have these opportunities where you can take something analog as a flipboard and have it trained so that, you know, when dad is a kilometer or a mile away from home, uh, it warns my children to clean up their room because dad's just entered a proximity area. Uh, it, you know, can pick up the song that's playing on the radio and, and tell me who's, who's singing on, a, on, that, uh, on that song. Um, so it, it really ends up being uh, an opportunity where I thought about it as saying, well, there's something as complicated as digitizing something that's so analog and making it useful with very simple um, you know, uh, uh, available um, tools to people like yourself, Bonnie, and to Vince and others that we can go in and to my kids go in and create these small programs, really simple to use um, and do something as complicated as what I just described really gives me the opportunity to think that, you know, there's a lot of goodness around what we're doing around the consumer side that we haven't integrated into our commercial grade, uh, you know, uh, problem solving. And so, you know, my prediction in here is that we're going to start seeing a merger of these type of really cool, innovative uh, type of applications being leveraged more and more in the consumer world uh, and solving some of the, 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 the toughest problems, whether it's integration, whether it's process, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, as Vincent mentioned earlier, uh, around the, the whole engagement experience. I think we're going to start seeing more consumer grade type of uh, as, uh, innovations into, uh, into some of our commercial uh, problems. Thank you very much. Going backwards and going forwards at the same time, right? Exactly. Integrate, not walking away totally from the past, but integrating it into the future. I like that. Thank you very much. Oren, prediction number one, what have you got for us? Interestingly, Vincent and Paul have inadvertently teed me up for my, for my first topic. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're living in an era where people are, are craving the, you know, the social aspect, you know, the, the reconnecting with their family and friends who they haven't been able to, to see for a while. But the flip side of that is that in this era, we are getting so used to engaging with our 
uh, our phones or our devices to make things around us happen. Uh, I want uh, Ukrainian food at my house, beep, boop, beep. It delivers to my door. I never have to see anybody. They drop it off on my mat and then they run away and text me that it's there. Um, and specifically in uh, the sort of the hotel space, I, I kind of want to bring it around to that because as we know, this space has been so dramatically impacted by our current times. So what are they doing to, to try and, and, and change the, the engagement model for people staying is using these small little tools uh, instead of seeing the face-to-face at the desk. Uh, you know, I, I go somewhere uh, to, to, to Hong Kong and instead of going to the desk anymore, I communicate with the front desk with WeChat. Uh, I can do almost all of the things I need with WeChat. Uh, I go to my room. I order up room service. So many hotels now are starting to deploy fleets of robots to deliver things to people's doors. It's a robot mm-hmm. with a container. It goes to the door. It has a, me- a means of, of ringing the bell or texting you via that same WeChat. You open the door, the, the little door opens in the head of the robot. You pull out your towel and it goes away. Uh, th- all these little, we might say consumer types of technologies that are being used by these institutions or yep. especially in our, in our conversation here, these hospitality companies to give people the social distance that they want, but still giving them the high levels of service that they expect. And I think we're going to see this across a lot of different industries with a lot of different uh, innovative uses of these consumer level technologies to uh, to kind of bring back the era of service, but not in the way that we expect it. You know, so people still, I think for many years to come, as much as they crave that human interaction and that human engagement are still going to be skeptical of really getting close in, in fear of something happening, communicable diseases, whatever it is. Uh, so the, the, the urge to go back to face-to-face uh, discussion, but still, uh, with uh, a, a, an effective distance for safety. So I think we're going to see uh, a lot of that in the next year. And we're going to really be reading about hotels, finding really interesting things uh, to do to, to bring that level of service. And Oren, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of my number four opening buzz quote from Agent Smith in the Matrix, never send exactly. a human to do a machine's job. Exactly so. Good, good, good. We're teeing each other up very nicely here. Totally unplanned. Isaac, we're ready for your first prediction. What you got? All right. Well, I think I'd be a mess if I didn't tie it back to one of my previous colleagues. Uh, so one of the things that Vincent said that really resonated me with uh, is this shift to more of a people focus. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to that aspect. I certainly have benefited from some of that myself, just being able to spend more time with family. Um, but I think... Going forward, 2021, organizations are going to start to redefine what the purpose of a trip means. Mm -hmm. And I think for the very first time, really, since certainly I can remember, that the employee will not just be A, but literally the main stakeholder in the decision of how to define the purpose of a trip. And what I mean by that is, is it really required that I travel? Do I really need to go see this, this customer? or this internal trip or this internal meeting? Uh, and how do I define the ROI, not just of like the cost of you know flying or the, or the hotel, but also the cost of me being away from my family, me being away from uh, my work, 
right? Because every time I get in a vehicle and I drive, whether it's a, you know, the beautiful train ride that Oren talked about, or, you know, it's a first class travel experience, it's still an impact to the productivity of other things that I can do. And I think that's going to be a major shift for us going forward because companies are going to be for the first time saying, okay, hey, uh, let's have a conversation with you as an employee on whether or not we, and this is the you know, all caps, mm-hmm. we, we think it's worth you going, right? And I think that's going to create a little bit of a cultural shift where in the past, we just kind of assumed it was part of the job. Right. We just kind of assume that like that's what I do every Monday morning at you know 4.45 a.m. is get up and pack the suitcase and go to the airport. Um, but there's going to be an, an extra question. Now, right now, that question is, you know, health and safety. Right. But once we move through the rest of 2021 and people are still kind of asking themselves that question, then eventually it'll be like, well, you know, is it really the most valuable thing for me to do even when the first part isn't health and safety? Right. So if I was being able to create productivity and I was being able to hit my goals and the things that were important to me, um, what is that right balance? It doesn't mean never traveling, but what is the right balance between, you know, the, the, the being away from home, the loss in productivity, the cost of the trip and the value that I get from the face to face interaction? Thank you, Isaac. You're bringing back memories. I worked years ago for a very large multinational that's known, what used to be known for its phones. It starts with N and ends with A. And I was on the software side. I was doing marketing, high-level marketing for a big uh, package they had purchased from another company. And about that time, something called the Halo Studio came on board. And the Halo Studio was a room you could only access by permission. You scheduled it in your calendar digitally. And we had had a table with a bunch of controls on it and screens, four, three screens spread out across the room. And I could schedule my team. My manager was in the UK. He was in London. And we had people all over the world. And I could schedule them to fill these screens. And we met virtually. And I controlled the whole thing on a, ta- a panel on a table. We had an operator who, who brought us in. And I wasn't a big fan of traveling. But to your point, Isaac, what is the purpose of the trip? We mm-hmm. had the most wonderful team meetings. This was, be- I think, before Zoom right. was a gleam in anybody's eye. We were doing right. virtual meetings. Meetings, but you were in this sealed room and it was very, it felt very formal and very otherworldly. And you'd go in and, and you'd bring each group online and they'd be sitting at a table in their own Halo studio. And the company had invested. Isaac, any comments? You remember oh, those? Yeah, yes. Uh, well, my experience was with uh, Cisco Telepresence, uh, a very similar you know, type of experience. But I wanted to ask, uh, Bonnie, from your experience, when you walked away from the meetings, that to me was the experience that actually resonated the most. It wasn't the experience of being in the meeting. It was the experience of walking away from a virtual meeting and feeling like, like your mind is tricked into thinking that you actually were with the person, <laughs> right? So the stickiness of that interaction lasted longer than the experience in the room, right? Uh, now, it doesn't mean that there's not value in being in person because the colleagues here already said that, right? Uh, Vincent, mm-hmm. I think you said we're missing that experience and, you know, Paul's, uh, you know, this tactile feel of a flipboard. We, we miss that when we're not in face-to-face. But now it's going to be, I think, about redefining what is the ROI to mm-hmm. when a tactile experience is necessary versus one where using the right types of technology to elevate our experience, right, like Zoom, telepresence, can accomplish most of what we need yeah. without the, the impact 
uh, to society, to the environment, to, to the cost uh, that, that is incurred. And I think the, the cult, one more cultural reference to all of that, Isaac, is we can't share a meal with people. Think about the dinner meetings, right? Or in the coffee, coffee meeting, sitting across a table from somebody and say, would you like another croissant? Or, hey, this, this pumpkin pie sure. is great. Would you like to bring, give me your fork? I'm going to share a piece with you. We don't have, I think that's one of the, and food is such a uh, communitization aspect of making people feel connected. We could do a whole show on food. I know Victor is waiting patiently. He say, when are you going to get to me? I have my first prediction. Victor, go ahead. You're up. No, that's absolutely that the discussion is bringing us to uh, three of my predict- of my four predictions for today, pretty much, because the whole idea of this of working remote and like you said, being in this kind of a we call this and we have a room like this on the, some of the, our Deloitte offices as well. And mm-hmm. we uh, for the first time I was in this room, it was called the war room. Now it's now it's the normal room because that's pretty much the normal of uh, of 2021 <laughs> having different screens i mean we're doing this even right now we're all sitting in front of our of our computer we all have the screens up and we all have the cameras up and that's and that's something that in terms of a prediction will will remain to be the to be the case and just like isaac said the shift is going to be how do we make sure that people still feel that connectedness and how do we make sure that people understand that uh, even though you're remote you're still with someone you have that personal connection with the individual personal connection to to the organization to your purpose in the organization and not feel the the kind of the the remoteness being um, away for distance for, from distancing away and just the whole idea of, of of going remote overnight and the globalization that this brings is, is one of the, the, the things that we'll see a lot happening in 2021 and onwards says if I have to combine two of my three of my three, three predictions and one is going to be based on the fact that we're going to go global meaning companies are now and, and individuals are, can apply for companies and and companies can acquire talent from across the globe without any um, kind of idea and and, and any uh, means to to having to to combine this on a, some sort of a local level. The the local um, presence is actually going to start shrinking, and in person, shrunken in person workspaces will become kind of the norm. So, like like Isaac was saying, when there is a need to actually have the personal connection. There will be a way to do this eventually once the pandemic is over. But the norm is going to be globalization in terms of where you have your talent from across the globe. I mean, think about it. If you're, if you want to find work, uh, workers outside of the United States, you don't have to worry about visas anymore. For instance, you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about high quality talent just being restricted to a specific locale within the space that you're in in your organization is sitting because you can tap into talent worldwide now. Also, the new normal, our new kind of remote, uh, remote being, it's it's going to allow for both the workers that are part of this this equation, as well as the organizations to to give back a little bit to the community. Meaning, you can now be with your family, and you can now be at home, and you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about the commuting part of the job. In in our uh, space, uh, in the consulting space, we used to travel to the client side. It could be a instead of a commute of fit forty five minutes, it could be forty five minutes. So. That's time that some of those workers will be needingly needing back to to kind of uh, to have back into their into their lives, and that distributed workforce that's going to be out there will find ways to get together from that remoteness in the specific need that's going to arise, and that's exactly what companies are going to be looking for: the cost of acquisition and the cost of upkeep for personnel and for works workforce is going to become the kind of the biggest driver behind how do we make sure people are both happy for. For the fact that they're remote, mm-hmm. and is, is at the same time producing as much as, as as they as they can because they feel the connectedness to the organization and their role in there. 
Thank you very much, Victor. It poses an interesting question. In the post-COVID world, we don't know exactly when that will come, when that will be safely, in which countries, for which companies, if people are given the option, do you want to stay to be a remote worker or do you want to go back to an office? Do you feel it's safe? Uh, Isaac, go ahead. You have something to say. Uh, yeah, that last bit that uh, Victor said, and, and uh, it's always a pleasure working with Victor. We worked on several projects together. But uh, that last part he said about being uh, distributed, right? Uh, there's a quote that I love from uh, William Gibson. It says, the, the future is already here. And this is in 2000, like back in the early 2000s. The future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think Victor's talking about the fact that, okay, now we fast forward a decade, right? And uh, it's still not fully distributed, but we're working on it, right? We yeah, are. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we certainly are. Vic, Vince, Victor, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if there was no choice. Organizations as well as people, we got plunged into that space with no way of looking back anymore. Well, now we have to find ways to actually live with this new normal and then expand our horizons into how do we how do we manage our work for, for ourselves and how do organizations manage us? Because mm-hmm. talent across the globe and being remote and being kind of kind of distributed that way is going to stay. That's that's definitely one of my my number one predictions. It's we're not going to go back to a full on office, uh, put on the tie, go to work type of situation. Oren, I see that finger wagging there. He's saying, call on me. See, we couldn't do this when we were on the phone a year ago. Okay, go ahead. Right. Well, to, to your exact point earlier about, you know, are people going to go back to the office? Well, statistics are now showing clear majority of people do not want to go back to the old way of doing things. It is the the jury is in. I mean, the (laughs) the working from home, at least as part of a weekly regime of work is here to stay. Thank you very much. I think we've made a good, good global comment there. Vincent, you get the privilege of starting us off on prediction round number two. Go ahead, Vincent Cruza. Thanks, Wayne. And to to introduce my next prediction, I wanted to kind of pick up where Paul left off around around consumer experiences and and, and using them to solve commercial problems. And there's a um, there's a platform that I use for my for my personal email and to upload all my photos to, and I use a whole lot of the other software products as well. So they so you know arguably they have access to a lot of my data and a lot of my information and from the photos you can get the geotag information and 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 really if you take that a step further and really bringing in the experience it's not a it's not a big step to expect to receive an email from them saying i can see that the last 3 years you've you've gone skiing in the march time frame and, you, and from your photos, I can see you go skiing with your family. Mm-hmm. So we've gone ahead and booked the trip for you. And you know what? Your friends that you, that, that you have in your photos as well are going to be skiing in that same location in the same week. You just want to click yes and accept this trip and have it purchased. And all you need to do is arrive at the airport and fly. And really that is like, for me, I think that is really exciting and, and bringing the ability to connect all of those disconnected pieces of information to deliver a new experience and really, you know, make true on the word that is innovation. Because to date, innovation really has been a bit of a buzzword. And I think as we as we move through 2021, companies are going to need to truly innovate in order to adapt and in order to adapt to this new world and transform the way their business works. 
Very interesting. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. I want to get round number two in here. Paul Connick, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's like um, I, I think you'll, the next round of uh, of uh, predictions will will follow very similar themes, right? So the, the one that I uh, have been looking into uh, is expect experience to outpace standardization. And the reason why I say that we're all consultants on the on the, on the line, and we've worked with lots of businesses, and the mantra that we would go in. Uh, before it was, hey, you know, we need to standardize uh, your processes around the world. So if you all do it the same way, it's much more efficient. It's much more uh, cost uh, effective. Um, there's more consistency, et cetera. Uh, and I really do think that goes out the window going forward, right? We're going to expect experience now to outpace standardization uh, because we really do need to figure out, um, you know, what is it, what is it that we're really trying to get uh, to get to? There's still, there's still standardization is still important, but it's no longer the goal that we seek. So having processes that work for you and your customer to reinforce a positive experience is going to be the new gold standard. Um, and that may, mean, that may mean doing more complex things to get better experiences. Um, but as we've been talking there, we know that we can solve for complex things. Just as Vincent talked about, you know, unstructured data being uh, pulled from very different types of sources um, being able to uh, use AI to develop uh, to develop uh, a perspective, you can imagine the same thing uh, in our supply chain in our manufacturing, where we use a series of different suppliers. Um, I, I think going back to the point uh, that Oren made earlier, um, and maybe you know the white collar workers doesn't want to go back to the uh, to 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 the office, et cetera. But what about the blue collar workers? Where where do they where do where do they go? They they depend on being on site and doing the jobs that we expect them to do. Um, that is physical. That requires. How is their experience going to change? Um, because going back, and I think the quote that I would use is, you know, we can't navigate 21st century roads with uh, a 20th century map. Uh, we really do need to look at the experience and the opportunity for everyone. And that doesn't mean getting everybody to do the same thing the same way anymore. So I think that's that's something we, we all need to watch out for around what is it truly that we're trying to do? And I think experience is going to trump standardization. Very interesting. And I think CX is going to be a big one for 2021, isn't it? Customer experience, maybe employee experience, company experience. Everybody wants an experience. Let's go to Oren, you're up. Prediction number two, can't wait. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I am an unapologetic city person. I, I love uh, urban cores, etc. But this last year has seen unprecedented changes in, in cities. We see people now that work from home as a thing, move people moving back to the suburbs because it's more affordable. Maybe the, they have better uh, uh, opportunity for, for land or property. So, the same thing is affecting the workspace. Obviously, we know that companies are going through this process of reducing their footprint, their office footprint. And what's going to happen to all that office space? Well, what we're seeing across the world, and I think we're going to see it in, incredible, uh, in an incredible pace now, is the redefinition of the urban core, the CBD, and CBD means central business district, not the better kind. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the central business districts of these cities, and I, I look to LA here where they're starting to shut down streets to uh, car traffic so they can create promenades and boulevards for people to enjoy. The idea that restaurants uh, you know, in the new world are probably going to want to maximize their external, their outdoor eating spaces just for, you know, mm -hmm. obvious reasons. But uh, we're seeing this all over the place. We're seeing in Paris, in Berlin, in, in, the, in, in London, all these cities are now dedicating places where 
residential and business are going to be blended in a way we've never seen before. As we reduce the business footprint in these uh, central urban cores, we're going to replace them with residential, uh, retail, uh, multi-purpose uh, uh, sort of environments. We're still going to have business there, and we're going to have these businesses who are now part of communities where their offices are. It's going to be uh, a really uh, a, a rebranding of the urban core that is going to be equal parts business, residential, consumer, retail. Uh, it's it's going to be kind of a, a, a new uh, baseline for engaging with your city. And I think that's a very exciting thing to come. I was going to say the word excitement needs to get in there, Warren, because it sounds exciting. It goes past resilient and nimble and agile and flexible, right? And retooling, it goes, one of you just said <clears throat> a, a minute ago that we need to really start to innovate. Who, who was it who said that? Was that you? Uh, Vincent. Yes, Vincent Cruza. We really need to really, really start to innovate. And so thinking outside the box, literally the box being the mm -hmm. office, the city, the bus, the trade, the house, uh, the building, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I like that a lot. Let's go to prediction number two. Isaac, I want to get you in here. Go ahead. Okay. First, I want to, if you don't mind, Bonnie, I'd love to expand on something that Please. Vincent said a second ago. Please. So you know, Vincent's illustration of, of, of the ski trip. Right. And saying, hey, when I'm spending my money, let's make that more effective by including the experience of other people I enjoy being with. Not, not only my family, but I love the part about my friends of my family and, and my friends. Right. Because that it, that creates a richer experience, a more rewarding experience. Right. Um, one of the things I challenge the travel industry to do is say when a company spends their own money on me traveling, why can't my trip, that 10, eight hours a week in the airport, through a taxi cab, whatever that might be, why can't we make personal connections on behalf of the traveler with other colleagues in the same organization that also are doing the same thing and create those, those conversation points that when I do travel, I want that to be the most rewarding, most enriching part. I mean, some of the best conversations I've had or on an airplane sitting next to a complete stranger mm. when I ask them, what do you do? Right. And then we have, you know, 45 minutes, hour and a half conversation about how there's actually three degrees of separation between what that person does and what that person enjoys doing and what I enjoy doing. And what I'm saying is we're missing tens of thousands of those interactions every year within our organization. Uh, and the enrichment that can bring not only to a person's personal life, but also to the corporation as we create creativity, right? Without any additional cost, simply by using the power of automation and, you know, to make those connection points. It's not a prediction. It's a, it's a challenge that I would love mm -hmm. to be able to see happen. Now, if I can shift over to uh, my, uh, my number two prediction. So mm -hmm. um, in 2021, I think there's going to be a new set of disruptions, I mean, no, obviously, there's going to be lots of disruptions, but the one I want to focus on is really the internal disruption that is almost like the, and this isn't the bad thing, it's just the second wave of impact. So in 2020, it was all about, okay, you, you're, you're, you're not traveling, right? I think they said like 50% of people now are working remotely, you know, the, pretty much everyone that can. And so what I predict is that there's going to be a new set of internal disruptions because the way we balance things out in our organization is going to change. And this goes back to like 1950s when the term corporate business travel first started kicking off, right? Using planes from World War II to start traveling people across the continent never happened before, 
right? Warren said, we don't, we don't have trains in the U.S. So, you know, this was a whole new experience. And for decades, organizations have leveraged the spend, the power of travel for boosting compensation packages. It's been an, a component to hiring new talent, retaining new talent. Like, what is your travel program? Right? How are you going to defer the value of the travel program to my personal career benefits, to my, you know, my compensation package? It's also been a determinant, like travel, how close you are to an airport is, a, is part of a company's strategy for where they put their office locations. Mm-hmm. I think about how many things throughout a single organization, my go-to market strategies for new and emerging markets is based in part on my effectiveness to pick myself out of my house into an airplane and locate myself in that emerging market in a timely fashion. Because if I can't do it in a timely fashion, I might as well not do it at all and find an emerging market that is more cost effective. What I'm saying is that the the future is going to be unpredictable in that regard. Because now all of a sudden, if I'm trying to go after the West Coast sales market, I don't have to hire a West Coast salesperson. In fact, I can instead encourage my talent organization to find the best salesperson. And I don't care where that person is located. Now, if we think about that, that's actually a very, it's a, it starts as a ripple, but it can create a very large disruption internally to the organization. Everything from policies to procedures to hiring to talent. Uh, if we want to shift or re-represent the organizational structure of our company, we can do that in near real time. It doesn't mean that Isaac has to relocate from the office that's across the street to the office at the other side of the street simply because we think he's the better person for this department, right? There, there, there is no moving the desk. Oh, I liked my office with this view. I don't really want to join the new organization across the street because the facilities aren't as nice. The cafeteria isn't as good, right? None of those things are determined. They're, not, they're, not, they're no longer the friction points to the types of productivity and organizational transformation that they were in the past. Thank you very much. Let's squeeze in prediction number two from Victor Panoff. Go ahead, Victor. Sure, Bonnie. Um, this is going to pick up on some of the stuff that Paul said, and pretty much everybody's been uh, kind of echoing this. Uh, uh, we heard a couple of buzzwords such as automation, digitalization, mm-hmm. as well as technology and retooling in, in the future. And that's exactly what, uh, so my space is within, of course, the contingent workforce management and workforce that is that is coming in for a specific job for a specific finite period of time. But what we see happening um, and we'll continue to see happening is the emergence of these uh, new communication tools and new ways of um, automating our workspace and artificial intelligence as well as machine learning coming in to help boost up the jobs that we do. And and it's not just uh, in the white collar space, it's also happening very much in a really wide um, kind of uh, um, spread out way in in the, the blue collar space as well, where a lot of the work is getting um, automated and that's to help the workers actually achieve the job better, have better safety at work and have better compliance with the individual tasks that come out of the of the different type of, uh, of the work that they do. Uh, one of the examples that I can give you with one of the clients we're working with is being able to do a kind of mapping of the entire factory floors and being able to put information mm-hmm. in the buildings where the, where the factory workers are to protect safety to make sure where the worker is at all times and make sure that they have all of the 
different uh, kind of tools to enable them to do the job in a in in a safe manner, away socially distancing if they have to, or doing something that's that's now used to be kind of heavily manual exercise. Now it's it's driven in a touchless way with uh, with a way to uh, to manage this through through technology through automation, and then where the individual now can use their creative space rather than the physical labor and physical skills to achieve the same exact even to to get those mundane tasks that they used to enable that what they do, what they used to do and what they have focused on into something that's a more creative in that space and something that allows them to actually shine in, in the in the way of, of putting in work that is now the future of that work. And for, in that respect, what's going to happen with the, the whole world of IT and the whole world of, of, uh, of tools for, for management of, of, of remote workers and, and workers that are in, in factories on the floor, we'll see that the IT is going to be always on. There's going to be Smart technologies, robotics, just like Oren was saying about the robot that brings you your towel into your into your um, into your hotel room. The exact same thing is happening on the on the on the floors. So we see Amazon has replaced a lot of the the factory just mundane work that comes down in in the factories itself and in, in the warehouses with robotics. And then the people who are now working in those factories don't have to manually move boxes around. They're the ones that actually control the machinery in order to get this kind of full automation and and, and allow for that kind of uh, aggressive cloud <laughs> cloudization of, of the space and allow for that secure, reliable, safe, and compliant work to be done in a productive manner that moves both the business forward as well as the individual because now you actually using your creative space, you're learning new technologies and you're being able to stay more focused on the future of, of, uh, of your work in terms of security and as well as in terms of how you skill yourself up for the next position that's out there for you. Ah, upskilling, skilling up. I like that. We have, I, th- I thought, well, we might have trouble filling the hour. We have six minutes left. We've got t- two rounds of predictions. So what I'd like to do is divide the time in the six minutes. There are five of you. I'm going to give you each between 45 seconds and 60 seconds. Please keep it tight. And I want to go around the table. You can use it for one final prediction or to respond to something somebody else said. This is completely open format. So let's get this lightning round going. Vincent Cruz, you're up first. Thanks. So, so I think it's something that everybody has touched on already, but it is going to be a stronger focus on purpose. Decisions are being made across organizations at, at, at a global level. You know, dedicated programs are being developed to embed climate action to core software products. And there's massive disruption to supply chains. And even television programs that we're seeing coming out today are having a renewed focus on the planet. All driving, our attention, all driving our attention to be more responsible and to focus on purpose as individuals, customers, employers, and ultimately stewards of this planet. Purpose, good, good buzzword, good purpose word. There we go. Let's go to Paul Kana, your second. Go ahead. Hey, um, I'm going to try to squeeze in both my, my last two predictions. So the first one, very similar to what Orwin and others have said, you know, digital empowered frontline transformation is going to be the new standard, right? So customers are expecting a very different experience. They've experienced high touch service, they've mm-hmm. experienced home, home buying uh, and all that stuff. Um, but as we reemerge, the customer has a very different perspective and uh, what their uh, priorities are going to be. And it's going to be dramatically different than the one that they started with. Um, and that is what organizations will need to adapt to, not revert back just because we're in a hurry to get back there because we think that's what worked before. Uh, so while we have machines continue to do order fulfillment, the art of engagement is distinctly human and it is a differentiator. Uh, so engagement from the employee to the customer will be a top priority. 
you know, and in relation to that, and I just want to put this in there, you know, I think there is going to be a big uh, surge around data urgency, you know, more intelligent, more fluid, uh, and more vulnerable, right? The data, as Vincent's story uh, articulated, uh, just really requires our, our thoughts around how we're going to manage and better secure the data, whether it's consumer data or co corporate data, information is going to start flowing across ecosystems. Um, and this is going to require us to think about what the industry calls zero trust networks, where you know validation of data is really going to be key. And this is going to be challenging. It's not going to be easy because the data is really unstructured. Uh, but I wanted to make sure we got data in there because I think it's top of mind for everybody just in terms of privacy um, and how that's going to work going forward. Well put. Thank you. Oren, you're up. 45 seconds. Veet, veet. I'm going to be very specific uh, with this prediction. Uh, I spent the majority of my career in the entertainment industry uh, working for a variety of movie studios over the past. And this last year uh, has created an existential crisis for the movie studios uh, with movie theaters shut down all over the place. Uh, there is this battle now between the streaming of content versus the, uh, you know, going to a theater and enjoying it in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. With people, uh, people's home theaters now, everyone has a large screen TV with a beautiful sound system. Uh, I, my prediction is that the entertainment industry, specifically the movie studios, are going to have to come to terms with the fact that the era of big theater uh, productions are probably waning and probably on the way down. Theaters in the future, very shortly, will be only for those big budget tent poles uh, that are going to carry the movie studios from one blockbuster to the next. Everything else will just stream right to your home. Thank you. Isaac Bowman, 45, 30 seconds. Veet, veet. Go ahead. Sorry. I think we're going to redefine the word uh, unprecedented and, and it's going to be more optimistic. So in 2021, we have the unprecedented opportunity to drive things forward, do new things that we might not have done before. And, you know, that could be in family life. It could be in personal life. It could be in the career. It could be creativity in the organization. And I think one of the ways that organizations will take that unprecedented opportunity is to redefine organizational structures and break down barriers and silos because we're going to redefine the way we talk about teaming, right? Because I don't have to be in the same office in the same city. I don't have to be across the desk from you to be part of your team. Uh, so I think we're going to use technology to do that. Thank you. Teaming with teams. Victor Panoff, you get the final word. 20 seconds. Go. Sure. Um, I'll give you two buzzwords. One is agile and the other one is fluid. So what's going to happen in specific in the contingent workforce management spaces we're going to see? And I saw a study that was predicting by 2030, as much as 80% of the workforce will be, one way or another, be freelance, which means they're going to be flu uh, fluid mm -hmm. options of embracing different individuals that come into your organizations. If it's uh, um, full-time versus part-time versus contingent workers, the mixture is not exactly clear. But the idea is that organizations will be moving towards a completely different kind of set of uh, organizational management. It's going to be all freelance, crowd-based. It's going to be all these new crowd-based models of, uh, of servitude. That's what's coming up for sure. Thank you, Victor. Vincent Cruza, Paul Kana, Oren Gashuri, Isaac Bowman, and Victor Panoff. I'm so pleased you all took the time to join me today. Shout out to Igosa Obakpuluar. Let's have applause for Igosa, for Carla oh, Neal, for Helen, to Helen Tomas, who are the sponsors of this series. And this is our first show of 2021. So happy to be. Everybody say goodbye to the world from the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll be back every other Friday with a live show. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. And thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer of Voice America. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks. Bye. Thank you much. 
Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.